us down to the last comic shop in five, four, three, two, one. What happened next was a family controversy for years. What was that? What happened? What broke? I don't know what happened. I was watering your plant and I... I broke your layout. Don't you touch that! You were always jealous of this layout! Jealous of a plastic leg? Jealous! Jealous because I won! That's ridiculous! Jealous? Jealous of what? That is the ugliest laugh I've ever seen in my entire life! Now it was out. Get the glue. What the glue? You used up all the glue on purpose! The old man stood quivering with fury staring as he tried to come up with a real crusher. All he got out was... Not a finger! With as much dignity as he could muster, the old man gathered up the sad remains of his shattered major award. Later that night, alone in the backyard, he buried it next to the garage. Now I can never be sure, but I thought that I heard the sound of taps being played. Gently. TBS, nor TNT. We're the last comic shop podcast. That's right. But we freely quote a Christmas story just as much as any of those other wonderful outlets where you can watch it 24 hours a day come the Christmas season. It's one of my favorites, honestly. I'm the host with the most, Danny Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith and Jay Scott. Both of you like this movie? Yes? Eh. What? I, I, yeah, I, begin what? And end, I, I begin and end my Christmas uh, season movies with Christmas Vacation. Oh, okay. Ah, get the Tylenol. So we are a uh, 1966 version of the Grinch House over here, but uh, I can respect the Christmas story. It's yeah. one of those movies you can start watching it at any point, and it works. It's great. Absolutely. You can come in when they're at the department store and Ho, ho, ho. You can come in when they're trying to change the tire. You can come in at the Black Bart scene. You can come in anywhere. But we're not here to talk about a Christmas story. We're here to talk about Batman. If you haven't guessed, it is still DC Ember here at the Last Comic Shop <laughs> Podcast. Yes, a whole month just of DC books. Why? Because we looked at our quotas and we said we are short on DC books in 2023. So we just kind of cram as many as we can into this last month and try to make it somewhat even. But in any case, today on the podcast, we are doing Chad's pick for DC Ember. And that is what book, Chad? It is a book that was 10 years in the making. As there were rumors and solicitations back in 2013, 2014. Didn't come out until 2023. It is Batman and the Joker, colon. The Deadly Duo. And for those playing at home, this was another one of those books that was featured in the recommendation section of a previous show. I think it was during our Batman versus Hulk show that Chad first commented on this series. And 
And I was like, ooh, I'm intrigued by the Mark Silvestri art. And I've read the word since then. <laughs> well, as we get to in just a second, I, I think that the pictures, pictures are better. Let's just say that. They really um, tell the story. But, but J.A. was very, very excited about this because Mark Silvestri is one of his favorite X-Men artists, right? Yes, especially because of the way he draws Dazzler. So my whole big thing was, in the 90s, there were the image guys. And Mark Silvestri was always the guy where, like, I enjoyed Mark Silvestri's art, but would not have put him up there with the likes of a Todd McFarlane or a Rob Liefeld or a Jim Lee who, for whatever reason in my mind, always seemed to be the hotter artist. Even though Mark Silvestri had that great run on in the Outback X-Men, you know, he was doing Wolverine with Larry Hama. Uh, it wasn't until years later that I'm like, wait a minute, not only is Mark Silvestri on par with those guys, I'm pretty sure he might be better than most of them. He always reminded me of, of a man that, if he didn't make it in comics, could get a job designing clothing. Because especially when they're wearing suits or whatnot, so many of his drawings look like they just came off of a fashion sketchbook. I always more equated him as like more of like, I don't want to say like a working man's artist, but the bedrock, like the guy that's doing like the, 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 the issues every month. And again, not really out in front, not really getting the spotlight, but quietly just churning out good books month after month. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is really great. Never, maybe he just didn't have that rock star personality. Maybe he wasn't in like a, a Levi jeans commercial. Like, yeah, for me, he was in a, a more modernized version of a John Bushima yeah. where he would do the muscle bound guys and like have those really elegant action poses. But for whatever reason, it was more workmanlike to me. I couldn't agree more. He he was definitely quietly putting out books. And uh, again, I'm glad that we're, you know, highlighting him on this week's show because maybe he doesn't get enough dap, as they would say. I don't even know if they say that anymore. In any case, what we do say is that uh, once in a while we put out polls out on the X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. And uh, we're, I think we stopped. I think we stopped, but we haven't <laughs> ever recapped a lot of those previous weekly polls. Uh, and so with 2023 wrapping up here, I thought it would be a great opportunity on this week's show to uh, go over those final polls that we did probably about a month ago, I think is when we stopped. But uh, simply put, uh, J.A., I think you have the last five that we did. So, yes, our first of the final five polls. Interesting. I think this changes throughout. Obviously, in the 90s, everyone was buying because of the uh, the artist. But do you buy a comic book for the writer, for the artist, or for the character? Uh, this is a tough one because uh, my answer varies based on the comic book. There are definitely a handful of artists out there where if I see their name on a book, I'm going to pick up that book. Chris Somney or I love Rob Liefeld stuff. Bruno Redondo is one that I've come to really appreciate recently. And with writers, I can think of a handful of writers where if they're going to write that book, I'm going to give it a shot. People like Tom Taylor, Tom King, uh, Jed McKay is creeping up there. Mark Russell is one who I always enjoy Mark Russell's books. But yeah, it's tough. There's not really one decisive factor. And so if I had my choice, I would just say the cover. <laughs> there are books that I'll pick up just because the cover's neat looking. Like Wonder Woman Historia. 
totally bought that book for the cover. <laughs> so disappointed yes. that she shows up as a baby in the last friggin' panel. That was last week's show. What is your, what is your pick, J.A.? I mean, are you a cover guy, too? Or are you like the, any of these other ones that were actually the picks? I would probably have to go character. I mean, certain writers or certain artists, I'll look at, oh, they did this book or they did that book. But if I'm not interested in the character that they worked on on that book, I might not pick it up. Whereas it doesn't matter who the writer artist is, I will pick up like anything that's Silver Surfer, even if it's Dan Slott's horrendous destruction <laughs> of the character. Oh. I really like that run, but two, I also did the same thing with Dan Slott's Spider-Man. I like the character, so I bought it anyway, even though it drove me crazy. <laughs> And I have to agree with J.A. I think that's the way I, I fall, too. I, I, I will buy comic books because of the character, first and foremost. Uh, there are certain characters I love, and then I'm always hoping that the writer and the artist do that character justice. But I'd be lying if I didn't say, like, oh, I'll pick up a book because Scarlet Witch is on the cover, or uh, Vision, or Machine Man. And, and some of them aren't really good at all i've marvel zombies three. Oh, that was great <laughs> shush up Sh- who won though ja uh it was character so over 50 percent of the vote i will say number two is probably writer it does help that there's a good writer behind some of those characters and um i will say this that the writer is usually the main reason i would jump off a book after buying it because of the character Right? Like, I'll give it like two or three issues, then be like, That's not my Peter Parker. Get off my lawn. <laughs> hey, I got my ultimate Peter Parker back. He's married. He's all settled down. I love it. Any case, what's poll number two, J.A.? Well, coincidentally enough, we've got Mark Silvestri book on the show today. So the next one is your favorite Outback X Men. So, who did you like drawn by Mark Silvestri the best? We had Havoc, Longshot, Psylocke, not Psych. Lock, Psylocke, and Dazzler. Okay. Well, J.A., your pick was Dazzler, right? Dazzler. All yeah. day, all night. I still got to go Havoc. There's something about that look of Havoc. That all-black costume. It's one of the best, dumbest costumes in comics. Still my favorite. Yes, Havoc all no, I, I, I totally agree with that, Chad. Havoc's always going to win any poll as long as he's in that black costume. And not that awful Larry Stroman X-Factor thing with the puffy jacket and the blue and yellow. Oh, that was awful. Just, just yeah, awful I, stuff. I love those books, but yeah, that costume was a disservice. Um, but uh, I will say, if I had to pick a second, it's definitely the Psylocke costume from that era. Purple and pink, and she has the mask and the hood thing. That's the best. I think she won, right? She did. She crushed it. 62% for Psylocke. And I and I assume they're all going for the Psylocke before she got sucked through the Siege Perilous and then replaced and body swapped and, and suddenly she's Asian. Nobody noticed. Like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> up on something all the time, but yeah. she's playing out in the wind. <laughs> I always count the Siege Perilous as the end of the Outback era, even though... They were still kicking around a little bit. You know what we should do in in 2024? We should read this run of X-Men. We need to do it on the last comic shop. The Outback X-Men coming in 2024. Agreed. Uh, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> Chad agrees. Let's move on to poll number three. Poll number three was, what's your favorite female monster? 
Is it Bride of Frankenstein, which, to be honest, I thought was just going to run away with it. Samara from The Ring. Sill from Species. There's a shout out to the 90s kids. And uh, Carrie from the great Brian De Palma movie. Yes, the pig's blood and all that. I'll start off with this one. I mean, I I voted for Bride of Frankenstein. It's my uh, Halloween tradition. I watch it every single Halloween. Got my kids now watching it with me. And especially, they say, the monster's mate, question mark. And they don't tell you who plays that part, but it's obvious that it's the same woman that plays Mary Shelley at the beginning of the movie. It's just, I don't don't know why they did it that way, but whatever. Man, your reasoning is better than mine. I voted brightest for Frankenstein just because my mother-in-law wasn't on the list for my favorite monster lady. (laughs) Yeah, she listens. I'm safe. J.A., did you vote for your species woman or no? I did. I had to. I had to give her some love. You got to be careful when you're giving her love because she'll let and kill you. See, I was very surprised, J.A. I thought for sure you were going to pick the alien queen. From the alien movie. Sure, she doesn't look like a female, but she was she's the brood queen, right? Yeah, but it's not real. I mean, I don't consider aliens to be a monster movie or a scary movie. It's an action movie. That's what really? makes it so great compared to the first one. It, you know, James Cameron took the alien franchise and moved it in a different direction. That's why it's those two movies hold up so well because they're so different from one another the first one is a very much a space horror movie and the second one is an action movie all right well who won this one j.a sissy spacek for the win with 31 percent of the vote carrie i've actually i've never seen carrie so i just know it's like a pop culture reference point with all the pig's blood but like i gotta see it ellen bernstein's in it i believe she plays the mom doesn't she piper laurie no no I, i i take that back it was piper laurie Great Brian De Palma film. So if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Speaking of movies, the next poll was your favorite zombie movie. There's so many, so I had to pick four. I did Night of the Living Dead. I wanted to do Dawn of the Dead for Monroeville. Uh, Train to Busan, a Korean deep cut, if you will. 28 Days Later and Shaun of the Dead, which I thought was going to walk away with this one although it was sad because i mean i voted for night of the living dead and and that is my favorite again i'm not gonna spoil it in case there are like three people out there that haven't seen it that movie makes me angry at the end it's such a good twist that it's just like oh no you know maybe it's not as gory as some of the other ones maybe it's when zombie movies were still in its infancy i still just love that original idea it's it's the seed where everything else sprouted from yeah Yeah, for me if i had to pick one to watch i'd go Shaun of the dead because i think it's the most entertaining but as far as which one i thought was the best i went night of the living dead like andy was saying it's the seed that everything else sprouted from correct and what sprouted from that was a winner in danny boyle's 28 days later is that what you voted for or did you vote for your train for busan i i voted train to busan And sticking with movies for our final poll, possibly ever, maybe, we'll see, I don't know, who knows, Uh, what is the worst superhero movie of all time? (laughs) This is a tough one. Yeah, before we get to the, uh, for the J.A. pick, Dolph Lundgren's The Punisher, that was just awful. Mm. Superman 3 is also awful. Mm. 
Oh, I've got one superhero movie I hate above all others, more so than the Snyderverse, which I think was misguided, more so than any of the movies J.A. picked, which I all thought were terrible uh, exploitations of their franchise. The movie I hate the most, The Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> As a Spider-Man fan, I thought, oh, if they're ditching the Sam Raimi movies that were so great, they've got to be bringing something special. And not only did they bring nothing special, it was so bad, so bad. that It was cut up so much. Even if there was a comprehensible movie in there, you didn't get to see it. I was so angry. I still remember. The only reason I didn't walk out, it was out of respect for the $14 I had to pay for the ticket. All right. So, again, we none of those three movies made the list. What did make the list, J.A.? Uh, Catwoman, mm. that Halle Berry piece of trash. <laughs> uh, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Mm. I had the comic book adaptation of that. That was great. Electra. Mm. Did they do one or two Daredevil movies and then the Electra movie? It, they all run together in my mind that the Affleck Marvel verse. Yeah. Unless you're counting Daredevil, the director's cut, as its own separate movie, which I would argue uh, should be the case, is that movie is 100% more Coolio because it doesn't fact contain 100% more Coolio. <laughs> what was number four? Deep cut for this one was Howard the Duck. Oh, I think Howard the Duck is so bad that it comes around the other side. So I'm, I mean, it's George Lucas and the duck has sex with a lady. Like, who cares? Like, that's an easy that, pick. That was his follow up to Star Wars. Yeah, we all lay an egg once yeah, in a so, while. So, but, but you're not voting for the best of the worst. We're voting for the worst of the worst. Right. And uh, Catwoman easily won this poll. Easily. Which, which is sad because honestly, if you think about the, the Catwoman movie, Originally, it was supposed to be released as, like, the follow-up from Batman Returns. It was supposed to have Michelle Pfeiffer. It was supposed to be directed by Tim Burton. It was supposed to be a better movie. And then, like, decade passed. Michelle Pfeiffer didn't want to do it anymore. They lost all this. And then they had to, like, but, but it's sad. Let's also not forget that they messed up the namings of the Batman movies after Batman Returns. The next one, which was Batman Forever, should have been Batman and Robin yes. because it had the introduction of Robin. And then the next one, the uh, George Clooney Batman movie, that should have been Batman Forever. Yes, that is true. Anytime you have bat nipples, that should be forever. <laughs> any case we could go on for this for a while we got to get to the commercial break that's all that we have for polls we, they may come back in 2024 we haven't decided yet if you like them leave us some comments say nah don't get rid of polls you guys are crazy or say yeah we hate these things go away any case <laughs> we'll be right back uh, after we go away for just a little bit with our review of Batman and Joker the Deadly Duo by Mark Silvestri BCWsupplies.com has everything a comic collector could need. Boards, bags, long boxes, and so much else for our ever-so-increasing collections. And you can save 10% on your total order by using promo code LCSPOD at checkout. Not only does this take 10% off BCW Supplies' already low prices, but it supports my favorite podcast, The Last Comic Shop. So get all your collecting gear at bcwsupplies.com and save 10% on your order with promo code LCSP. 
L-C-S-P-O-D at checkout. That's L-C-S-P-O-D at checkout. Happy hunting! Hello, my name is Tony Lynn. I am an aspiring poet with my first self-published book entitled, Well, Since You Asked. It is a collection of works that speaks to my journey through grief, single motherhood, and the dreaded dating after divorce. You can find my book on Amazon or reach out to me on all social media platforms under my name, Tony Lynn. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. We are here to discuss Mark Silvestri's Batman and Joker, The Deadly Duo. A seven-issue miniseries that came out of DC's Black Label Productions last year. It's since been collected uh, into a fine, fine deluxe hardback edition. I'm sure the paperback version will be out there soon. But let's start off with J.A. and tell us who else, in addition to Mark Silvestri, contributed to this miniseries. So this was very much a Mark Silvestri affair. He did the story and the art, but we did have colors by Arif Prianto. And letters by Troy Pateri. All right. And so uh, we're going to go with Andrew for our 10 cent synopsis. <laughs> Mr. Oh, Andy, what did you think? Man, you know what? Hey, I butchered last week's about uh, Wonder Woman Amazon. So let's give it another try. With this particular collection of seven issues, Batman teams up with Joker. That's the 10 cent synopsis. There are zombie jokers made out of Kevlar. I guess it's yeah, yeah, and yeah. then Batgirl shows up at one point because they take Joker to the Batcave and like she fights with them. Yeah, yeah, he wears a gift mask. There's a, a bat monster thing that comes out of a tooth that was embedded yeah. in Batman's shoulder. A lot of things been happening in abandoned train stations or on trains. Am Jim I Gordon is else? Like, uh, Jim Jim Gordon was held hostage, and they started cutting off bits of his body and mailing yeah. it. Yeah, the, the big but, bad was very much sort of a, a Riddler esque, not Riddler. Right. I was I was thinking this is kind of like a Riddler story, but then not Riddler because it's a reanimated corpse thing. So I was thinking it was like more of a Goblin Queen. Yeah, like a Madeline Pryor. No, I could I I could see that. All I know is, at the end of the day, it was not a good day for a white wedding. And the 10 cents synopsis with that. I mean, it's seven issues that really tries its hardest to justify why Batman and Joker would team up after so many years of being just blood feud enemies. And like, I don't know if I exactly bought it. And that's where I'm going to start with my initial thoughts. I applaud Mark Silvestri's art in this book. It was pretty to look at. I really did enjoy it. From I, It reminded me of comics when I first started reading comic books back in the 80s and in the early 90s. It had a nice sheen to it. I didn't mind Batman. I thought the action scenes were thrilling. There was a lot of punching and kicking and, and jumping around and that kind of stuff that I like. It was a good book to turn your brain off and just enjoy. And I'm glad that I kind of sort of did, because from a plot perspective, I thought it was massively inconsistent. Somebody creating Joker clones that couldn't be killed, but they were made out of, like, metal, but not metal. 
and then like they would sprout from other things and then (laughs) (laughs) my favorite part of the seven issues basically the big bad puts batman and and joker eventually in like these situations where to jay's point about the riddler like he's got to solve something you know, or else everybody's going to die. And so they put them on this train that's like barreling towards the station that will kill everybody unless they reduce the weight of the train down to what it was when the train was empty. The the philosophy conundrum, you know, do you kill the five people on the tracks or do you kill the hundreds of people on the train? Exactly. And so Batman's here. I'm going to rip apart the entire train. I'm going to set the train on fire. I'm going to do whatever to so that nobody needs to die. And then Joker's just like, I'm going to just grab the, the real big tubby people. From <laughs> it was kind of hilarious. Like, I won't lie. These guys going back and forth. Too much pie? Nah, you, you, need, to, you need to take a step off. And so I love that part. The, if that could have been the entire series, I would have still been happy. But the rest of it, just all over. Yeah, as I said, it it felt like the big bad who's this reanimated bride that died on her wedding day because Batman and Joker were fighting and crashed into her into the chapel or something, you know, spoilers. And then she comes back from the dead and, and now she's running around Gotham trying to make Gotham in her image, which is a dead corpse's image. I don't know. Um, <laughs> she she did channel a lot of things that oh, this feels much more like the Riddler. It was a Riddler mixed with Saw, where he Batman yeah. was forced to make these decisions and one person would die or the other person would die and Batman's trying to figure out how to keep no one from dying and sometimes people died regardless. And then at the end, she's got this key to a lockbox that has the secret of who Batman is and Joker gets it and then sends his henchmen to retrieve it and then kills them all. And he doesn't want to know what was in the lockbox because Batman and Joker are are the peanut butter to his chocolate. And so he doesn't want to ruin that, even though he's going off to get married with Harley Quinn. He's like, you are a number one guy. (laughs) (laughs) So I love the art. I love Mark Silvestri. I think there's a dynamic a flow and a movement he's able to capture much more sorry chad than i feel like rob liefeld (laughs) always felt like he's drawing these poster poses where silvestri the action looks like it's actually occurring it's not i'm gonna draw a really cool looking action pose and then put some stuff in the background to justify why his leg is distorted so that you can't see his foot or, or the bottom part of his leg. It's just the thigh because he's jumping out at you. And that looks cool. Right. I don't disagree with you, but I do like the other version more. But anyway, go ahead. The Joker zombies, I don't know, give or take. I thought there's some interesting things that he was trying to play with. I like the Joker being in the Batcave in the gimp suit with the headphones and then Babs shows up and wants to beat the crap out of him because he's got her dad. So there were some interesting moments. I don't know if it all pulled together because I thought the plot at times did feel a bit threadbare or just maybe he should have just done it with the Riddler as opposed to this reanimated corpse thing that I thought that got lost, that that, that's where it started to get a little bit too in the weeds. It's like, I don't care about the, the, the fake (laughs) DNA bits. Yeah. The one thing I will say about Mark Silvestri and his art, 
is that he has definitely leveled up from his initial X-Men days and you know even his original image work on Cyberforce. He dove headfirst into the horror realm with uh, Witchblade and what was the dude Witchblade? Oh, the darkness. Uh, just dude Witchblade. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Mark Silvestri's art has has taken that next leap, you know, as as he's been, you know, growing and developing as an artist. And as Jay was saying, it, it, he's not wrong in the fact that the rendering is so detailed and it's so lifelike. It has that John Buscema thing about it where, you know, he makes them look like real people moving, but in an exciting way. So you get some of the best of the Rob Liefeld style action poses with a more dynamic sense of realism, with that dose of horror that is all throughout this. And, I, you know, as Kraken Wise, it's like, yeah, I, just, I prefer the Liefeld one. Honestly, I do, because Liefeld, he leans more towards, like, the action poster pose shot, whereas Silvestri now is leaning into the horror elements. And I think that's who this book is for. If you are a horror fan... And, you know, the idea of Joker clones that are even more indestructible, you know, being taken down by the Joker and the Batman. Like, this is your your bad buddy cop version of a horror movie. And as much as we've, you know, talked about how Silvestri has all these different ideas that he's plugging into the story, like, it's all those horror tropes. It's the Dark Bride coming back for revenge because she was abused and mistreated by her father. It's the, the clone zombies roaming the streets and biting you and if they bite you, then they get all the information that you know, you know, and it's the taking over of Gotham, you know, the city under siege and all of those things. And you have Jim Gordon in his own little saw horror movie where he's there with a buddy and they keep demanding body parts. And he's like, oh, no. And then it's like, all right, Rick, I guess you're going to have to cut off another finger. And Rick's like, OK, I don't know if the guy's <laughs> name was Rick, but uh <laughs> <laughs> and then they would send it to the world's greatest detective, and he wasn't like, ah, oh, don't worry, this is Rick's. I don't really care. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> 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 you, you would have those minor inconsistencies sometimes, you know, for the sake of getting through all these different horror tropes. And so, I'm torn because, as far as the story was the first time I read this, I, uh, I got bored by the end. <laughs> Like, there were a lot of words there. Sometimes I, you know, we always talk about how so many of these image artists, you know, we love their their artistic work, but we wish they would get somebody to rein them in a little bit. And I, I could feel that here, too, where if I think if Silvestri had paired up with a more diligent and more somebody with the capability to streamline the ideas a little better on the writing side of things, I think this could really have gone even better than it did. But uh the second time I read through it, I was just focused on the pictures. I don't know. I, I think there's definitely a target audience out here for this book that, you know, when you look at it, it it's going to be enough. And the story, while it might go from zombies to brides to viruses to all this other stuff, like it works. It works for a set audience. I just don't know if I'm that audience. So, Chet, where are you then on the Mark Silvestri Batman costume sans underoos and then at one moment sans belt itself? Things here. One thing is you could tell that Mark Silvestri had started working on this prior to Black Label being a thing. 
Because one of the coolest parts about Vertigo's Black Label for me is when they put out a book, oftentimes they do it in that jumbo treasury size format, uh, which I love. I love the work bigger. This this didn't come out bigger. This came out in your regular comic book sized format. So I think that's probably because it was drawn and intended for the you know a regular standard comic format. But uh, when I initially got it, I looked at the costume. And Silvestri, you know, this is its own story, its own continuity or whatever. Silvestri redesigns the Batman costume. And my first look at it, I was like, oh, that's dumb. You know, <laughs> he, he takes away the underoos, gives Batman an all black bat, but still keeps the blue and the cape and the cowl. And uh, I was like, oh, I don't like that. But then, like, as the book went on, like, I'm maybe two issues and three issues. I'm like, no, that costume's really freaking cool. And I don't know if whether it was just because Mark Silvestri's art, you know, had hooked me so much. Uh, you know, the action sequences were so good, but it was really working for me. It really, you know, I, I turned around on the costume. But then he took away the belt. Which, by the way, it's a black utility belt, which is the coolest badass thing. I don't think anybody's ever done a black utility belt. Oh, on no, Batman. yeah, that's yeah, because it, it's usually gold or yellow or some sort of off color, you know, to, to stand out. It, like, this fit perfectly. And then for a, a portion of the story, he takes away the belt. And listen, you can take the gutties off of Batman, or you could take the belt off the of Batman, but you can't take off the gutties and the belt. You got to have. One of the two, at least. <laughs> He's got to have some way of holding up his pants. That's right. Be, that's not a unitard. I don't want to just be staring at his package. I, I need something to kind of mask it. To be like, oh, there's a belt above that. I don't want to just look at his wang. <laughs> yeah, it, was a bit, it was a bit unitard-esque at the end. And I was like, eee, that's just, eee, it's, it's, I didn't work for me. But speaking of the costume, <laughs> I, I, I love any time they, they go back to kind of more of a grayscale for like the the base of the costume, unlike black, like I never understood after like 1989 and they started making the Batman's costume like all black or the black is the main color. Like the cow can be like that, but I'm really more about the blue and the grays. And so I think that really did work with like that that half belt thing that he went. Ah, I liked it. You just gotta have the belt on all the time. I don't care what your story demands. If you need the Joker to throw him the belt. Give Joker something else to throw him. <laughs> Leave that belt on. <laughs> in any case. We'll be right back with more of the last comic shop right after these commercial breaks with our ratings of Batman and Joker Deadly Duo, as well as recommendations. Maybe some great things you can pick up for your comic book fan this Christmas. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, Brian Thomas here from the former The Batman vs. James Bond show and the upcoming The Night Cave show. Do you like noir, black and white, gritty murder mysteries? Do you like crime stories or even pulp comics? Then you're going to love Nick Palatichuk's debut graphic novel entitled The Greenway. It's 1968, and Butch Schultz, a black market merchant, finds that his friend has been murdered in a mansion in St. Paul. Now he is out looking for who did it, while the city's best detectives are on the case. Nick's graphic novel is already getting rave reviews, let me tell you. Zero Supervision Comics Podcast says, A dark, intriguing story that makes you want to know more. The Glenn Thinks Stuff Podcast says, It's explosive, captivating, and alluring. And actor Kyle Hester from The Chair, Zombie with a Shotgun, and Preacher Six says, can't wait for this book you got to get on this order your copy today at indie planet a new world of comics that's www.indieplanet.com hard copies digital copies are available and now digital copies are only five dollars that's where i said it just five dollars so make sure you order yours today 
everyone, I'm Nerd Bomber. And I'm Tectic, and we're two of the hosts of the Online Warriors podcast. Our podcast started as a way for three best friends to keep in touch and discuss their nerdy hobbies like movies, gaming, tech, and more. Since then, we've grown into a great community. Every Wednesday, we chat about the latest nerdy news before getting hands-on with our weekly nerdy adventures. And don't forget our high-stakes trivia game. Come join the fun at OnlineWarriorsPodcast.com and every major podcast platform. And now, back to the show. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our ratings. And will this be a present <laughs> to you out there in Last Comic Shop Fanville? Yes, are we going to provide you with something wrapped up in a bow, give it to you? It's called a one out of four scale, and it comes from Jay Scott. So what this? what is our rating scale this week, Jay? One out of four zombie teeth, because I don't think we, we, we talked enough about the fact that Batman got chomped on, took the tooth out, <laughs> Put it in a in a, a petri dish, and then it grew into a new monster thing, and and th- that was one of the subplots where these this monster w- w- was like feeding on itself, and yeah. so he, he developed these silver bullets, if you will, that he could shoot, and it would just like speed up the process of the the alien synthetic DNA killing itself. Right, and that's how he ended up killing like the joker zombies he would shoot them in the head with the bullet that had the sped up process of so that they would end up like their brains would eat themselves you know what yeah. it was you guys oftentimes comment about how like we read this book called plunge and there wasn't enough math there wasn't enough <laughs> clone stuff they started yeah, that, st- yeah. that what thing went nowhere. not only was there so much clone stuff Batman packs all the bombs to get rid of the clones inside the Joker's suit and just sends them out. <laughs> and this is after the Joker helped him solve that train problem by killing all those people. And Batman's like, oh, I never would have killed all those people, but I guess he solved this train problem. Like, he didn't give any craps. <laughs> he made those trains run on time. I That's guess I'm right. okay with it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. I didn't have to do it. My hands are... And that's the thing. I, I'll start off with my rating. I'm going to give this uh, 2.5. I think it was a little bit better than average, but this was nowhere near a good story or any of the stories that we've read Batman thus far. I've loved a lot of the other ones we've done, like 10 Nights of the Beast. I love that story. Batman Universe. That was great. A lot of the other Batman books we've read on this show have been much better than this one. And one of the major reasons, other than the the inconsistencies with the plot, and somebody needed to rein in Mark Silvestri on some of these storylines, and the fact that this gotha zombie chick could have just been the Riddler, the main reason I'm giving it a 2.5 is, boy, am I just really tired of the Joker. I'm just really, really tired of that character. And honestly, when Chad was like, we're going to read a Batman book with Joker, I was just like, ugh. You had me at Batman, you lost me at Joker, because I feel like there's, we have basically seen almost all of the best Joker stories. And I'm waiting for a writer to come along and blow my mind by providing me with a Joker I haven't seen. And oftentimes it happens in some of these books because they give me a Joker that I haven't seen visually. Like Mark Silvestri's Joker is really interesting in this. Right. And I like the joke. I even like the design of the Joker monster clones like they're they're kind of cool. Joker is a character in this other than throwing those people off the train again. Like I, I don't need that psychopath. And I 
And, oh, Batman, you're my plaything, and I, I would have never found out your secret identity. Yeah, we knew that. We knew that, Joker. Like, for that to be the big reveal at the end and stuff, like, he was worried that Joker would find out. No, we all knew that. It was telegraphed from page oh, one. Oh, Sylvester, you worked out so many of those plans. You didn't, like, Project Aegis or whatever, where it's, oh, we're just going to pretend like somebody's threatening the Wayne Foundation, and everyone in Batman's life is going to go into witness protection. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just tired of the. I'm tired of the Joker. So if I never have to read another Joker book for the next like five years, I'll be really happy. I, I, as I said, I'll, I'll go back and read the Killing Joke if I want to read a good uh, Joker oh, story. Oh, it's man. already been done. So you know what you're missing out on is that Joker book. As uh, Francesco Francavia has been doing uh, art occasionally, and Gillum March on that Joker book that's been coming out. Oh, no, 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 no. 2.5 Joker books. Eh, whatever. J.A. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to rate it at slightly higher than that. I love the Mark Silvestri art. If there's anything I can ding it for is there wasn't enough of uh, Batgirl, Babs. There wasn't enough Selena Kyle and Catwoman. There was enough females because Mark Silvestri draws female action heroes so great. <laughs> And maybe I'm just wishing that I had more Dazzler in my life from Mark Silvestri, but that was what I was missing. Even his Harley Quinn is great, and there wasn't much of her. Even the big bad, she was all right, I guess. I don't know. I, she, she, I wasn't a, a super fan of her character design, to be honest. She just looked like a corpse's bride type thing. He was channeling Tim Burton, Tim. I think. But, but I'm going to give it a three it's a solid three it was fun it's horror tinged script there were some plot holes much better batman books out there but this is while not as good as the ones that i'm going to recommend I, you know it's it's a book that i would say that you you shouldn't read so <laughs> chad all right so i i'm gonna stick up for this one i think that the art is is simply superb in this book it is a next level stuff for Mark Silvestri from the page one to the, the final page. He doesn't skimp at all. And his rendering is so detailed. It's hard not to appreciate this book for the pictures alone. And if that's all you're, you're, you're getting out of this, uh, you're getting your money's worth. And if you are a horror fan, if you are a person that was really super into the Scott Snyder Batman with Greg Capullo, uh, this is, you know, a spiritual sidecar, I feel, to that type of Batman story. And we, we talked about all these ideas. I think we're looking at it the wrong way. This is jam-packed with so many ideas. This could be a series unto itself if you were to explore all these different things. I, I don't think we're giving Sylvester enough credit for all the crazy ideas that he came, with, came up with and threw into this book. I think there's a ton of creativity here. But... As we've said, at the end of the day, the story itself, that's the part where sometimes it was a little too wordy. Sometimes, you know, the connections weren't always there. Or interactions would seem a little bit awkward. There was a whole, uh, you know, series with Catwoman and Nightwing where she just made comments about his butt. But it was weird because <laughs> the way that Mark Silvestri drew it, it was Nightwing who was at Catwoman's butt level. Yes. And he'd be talking about her butt instead of her talking about his butt. Yeah. Um, he didn't even show his butt. They were all showing Catwoman's tush. It was like, 
why is this a thing? Like, we get it, but yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, that just relies on prior knowledge that everybody goes crazy over Nightwing's butt. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> there were minor inconsistencies here, but not enough to take away from how beautiful the artwork is. And I think for for a Bat fan, for this being a standalone story, you can you know start and read through in one sitting. Uh, you know, I think this is a wonderful addition to your bookshelf. If you're looking for something, a present for that Bat fan, that horror fan out there, this is a, an excellent choice. You would not be disappointed. I'm going to give it a three point two five. And sometimes they're shot into the Joker clone's head by Jim Gordon. Because Batman won't shoot people with guns, but he'll let Joker throw people off trains, because why not? <laughs> right. Any case, we're hoping that you don't get off the train for this episode just yet, because we've got recommendations for you. Yes, these are other comic books that you can pick up in addition to Batman and the Joker, the Deadly Duo. Uh, which you can get in single issues uh, at your local comic book shop today. And we're going to go ahead and start off with Jay Scott, because I think he has another Batman-type story for all of our fans. I do, and so get out your pen and paper, because I'm not recommending Uh one, but a whole slew of Batman-related stories that you can pick up today to get your fill of The Dark Knight. Some of these we've covered on the show in the past, so you can go find our reviews of those. Other ones we've talked about. So seeing that this is the Christmas season, I want to recommend a bevy of Batman-related books that you can pick up. Be it The Court of Owls, or Hush, or Batman The Dark Knight Returns, Batman Year One by Frank Miller, Uh, The Killing Joke, you had mentioned that as great joker story or uh he's back now but one of the original deaths in a death in the family where robin dies and and we talked about this on a show where mikey wood talked about calling in and voting to to have him die (laughs) you know how they do those facsimile editions or they're reprinting stories Uh uh-huh they are releasing and it might be out as of the time this episode comes up a faux simile edition of the Batman, a death in the family issue where Jason Todd lives. Publishing the version where if the other option had won the 900 number poll. Wow. There you go. And another <laughs> good Batman story comes from Chad Smith's recommendation this week. So, Chad, what is yours? In addition to the bevy of Bat books that Jay is recommending, I'm going to add one more to the shelf. It is Batman One Dark Knight which was written and drawn by Jacques, who you may know from Batman, The Dark Mirror, a story originally written by Scott Snyder back when uh, Dick Grayson had taken the helm of Batman. But uh, in this case, it is a Bat book, and Gotham City is being taken over. There's been an EMP-based villain who is throwing off all the electricity. It's Jock art. It's a Jock story. That's what makes it good. Similar to whenever I first picked up Batman and the Joker, the Deadly Duo, I picked this one up for the pictures. I may or may not have read the words yet. (laughs) I'll probably read the words at some point. But it's worth it for the jock pictures. So Batman One Dark Knight. Uh, Check it out. And also, if you do buy it uh, in the original issues, it came out in the traditional DC Black Label format. So you get the art just embiggened. And that's my favorite. Check it out. It's real pretty. 
Yeah. And I will say that back to my initial comment about how, like, one thing that people do do well nowadays is come up with awesome visual representations of the Joker. I think Jocks is one of the best. I, I don't know if you've ever seen Last Comic Shop fans, the wonderful drawing that Jock did, where it's basically Joker's face made up of all of the bats. That's just so, so awesome. It's just wonderful stuff, honestly. And speaking of wonderful stuff, my recommendation this week is not a Batman book, but I feel like it's super timely and kind of does come out of DC. It comes out of uh, DC's old black label, a.k.a. Vertigo. And this is a series that I have to thank my uh, nephew for getting me involved with because uh, he was the first one to actually read it. Uh, and he uh, said, oh, Uncle Andy, you got to check this out. It is called DMZ, and it is by Brian Wood with art by Ricardo Bercielli. If you're looking for this in your local comic book shop, I would start with volume one on the ground. It was written a while back by Brian Wood, I think post uh, 9-11, and it's simply put uh, a story about what if there was a second American Civil War. It takes place about five years after the war starts. Uh, New York City has turned into a brutal no-man's land, and uh, the main character, an up-and-coming reporter named Maddie Roth, starts the whole series by being shot down in the middle of the DMZ, this war zone in the middle of New York City. His entire group is killed except for him, and he basically makes his way through Manhattan and the five boroughs and meets all these folks that are living in this war-torn, devastated New York City by, by the Civil War. And um, although he wrote this many, many years ago, I feel like with the current political culture out there in America, this is way more time than now than it ever has been. Like there were people that way back in the day were like criticizing Brian Wood for not explaining enough about why there would be a civil war and why there would be these militias popping up and trying to take over the United States and how why the United States would fight back and drop bombs on cities with civilians and stuff like that. And I feel like Again, this is the world we're living in right now. Damn it. And so it's very, very dark. It sometimes hits way too close to home nowadays. Uh, but I feel like as a series, it's one that more people should read right now. Don't turn away from this. Stare into the void. Stare into the abyss. Read DMZ. It'll speak to you. Maybe not in the ways that it that you really want to as a series, but that's what good fiction does you're one of those guys that pushed contagion to the top of the download list aren't you during covid you're like i'm stuck inside with this possibly dangerous disease covering the world i'm gonna go watch contagion to see how matt damon deal dealt with it <laughs> well as i said Maybe it's therapeutic. Maybe it's, you know, dealing with your, but it's a really good series and it's filled with interesting characters. And I mean, J.A., you should probably like this because you loved uh, Brian Wood's Northlanders. Uh, he did that that Viking series that you loved and recommended on a previous show. So this is, you know, again, dealing with more like current event kind of stuff. So and it comes out of Vertigo, which is something else you love. Because you're all about reliving the horror that you're experiencing at the moment. <laughs> 
Oh, so, yeah, I'll have to check it out. <laughs> and we hope that you check out more episodes of The Last Comic Shop, especially for the rest of DC Ember. That's right, we've got two more DC comic books to finish off 2023, our third season. We've got uh, Human Target by Tom King and uh, Greg Smallwood next week. So, we've been looking forward to that. Champing! Champing at the bit for that one. And then with the, to wrap up 2023, we've got Catwoman Lonely City. So both of those episodes coming up in the next two weeks. Make sure that you're sticking it here to Last Comic Shop, uh, all the rest of DC Ember. And you can do that by going out to our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, and rate, reviewing, and subscribing on any of those myriad of podcasting platforms that you can find our show every single Tuesday. And while we may be the Last Comic Shop podcast, we don't want to actually be the last comic shop, so we encourage everybody to get out there to a shop near you and pick up some of the books we talked about or recommended this week, including but not limited to Batman, the Deadly Duo, and every other Batman story. Jay brought in uh, Court of Owls. He brought in Hush. He talked about Dark Knight Returns. He talked about Killing Joke. He talked about Death in the Family. We talked about the Death in the Family faux simile edition where Jason Todd lives. He's alive! Batman says as he clutches, you know, the broken, blown-up body. Oh, don't trust Jason Todd's mom. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we also talked about Jacques' One Dark Night, which featured Batman. And then Andy was tired of Batman, so he decided to go DMZ to remind you of the terrible world around us in which we all live. <laughs> all that and more waits for you at your local comic shop. Does Matt you Damon also- save the day? Just like he does in Contagion. Find <laughs> out and more. Matt Damon in DMZ. I'm just going spoilers. Anyway, you can also head back to our website where you can find uh, links to all the action, links to our social media accounts, and links to our merch store. Where Jay, what are we featuring this week? Black utility belts. Oh, oh, so oh cool. yes. So cool. So I, cool. I know. They they look sweet on that on that gray. It looks so much better than even the yellow. They should they should just adopt it. I, I was not a fan of the Silvestri Batmobile though. I feel I was let down there. Yes, and the, the Silvestri Batjet looked very much like the Silvestri X-Men Blackbird. No, yes. How about this for a hot take? I have never liked any of the Batmobile. <laughs> What? Never! I'm not not even the Lincoln Town Car. Like I, I think they all look stupid. Like they all look dumb. Like even shut your mouth. Back. The the, the 1989 Batmobile yeah. from the 89 movie. It, that is the best. It's You've just broken the- my heart. Batmobiles in general, they are good every time. Almost. <laughs> Another bad book we didn't talk about. Sean Murphy. Uh, what's his well, White Knight? Yeah, you should go. Well, pick- but he draws the cave with all the Batmobiles in it, and it's awesome because it has all the Batmobiles. <laughs> all right. Another good one is uh, if you don't want Batman this holiday season, but you want a Batman-related book, I would recommend Gotham Central by Oh gosh, who who does that? Ah, crap. Uh, Michael uh, Lark is on the art. Is it, it? It's not Brubaker, is it? I think it might be Brubaker. Honestly, there's that one. There's also Grayson. Which where where Dick Grayson becomes a super spy instead of being Nightwing, that's good too. Like, oh, there's so many good Batman books that aren't this one. <laughs> Let's talk about those ones. 
case. But we'll be back next week with more Last Comic Shop. Until then, I was those with most Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott, as always. And until next week, we hope that you stay safe. Stay Batman-y. Like, do something Batman-ish with your free time this holiday season. Climb up on the roof and jump off into a snow pile. Get some flat tires from the Joker and I, I'm, Bob I'm off. And eggs. I was going to say, that should be our, our, our holiday mission is for folks to turn their winter coats into their own personal utility belts. <laughs> See how much stuff you can cram into all those pockets of those winter coats you've got going out there. You know, maybe you need some string or some sprays or shark repellents. <laughs> Comic Shop was a 2023 Black Anders production.